Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I shared this a couple weeks ago. Gallup poll did a poll regarding churches, and we came to find out these different things. And I don't want to take a lot of time, but I do want to tell you that in 1949, over 91% of Americans identified with Christianity. As of 2015, 62% of Americans say that they are members of a church, not attend church, but are faithful members of a church. 44% say that they are faithful attenders to a church, and 32% say that religion is increasing. In light of what we've gone through this past week and what's going on in America today, if we have over 62% of Americans that say that they are members of a church, that are a Bible-believing church, then there's something wrong with the balance of what's going on and what we say that we believe in the Word of God, but what's going on in the national society and how people are beginning to look at things through opinion rather than through the Word. We've become a people that have determined opinion over the Word of God. And as of this church, we will never stop declaring the Word of God. The Word will continue and always be our standard. But I do want to share this with you, that we found that they said that over of those polled, that 61% of those polled found out that the church is losing influence in America today. That we're losing out on our ability to influence because we've stopped being relevant. And so why is that important? Because I shared this throwback is all about this. When Jesus says, I will build my church, then he told Peter, upon your confession, I'm going to establish my church. When Jesus said that, what he was declaring is, I'm going to build a church and I'm going to establish a group of influencers that are going to be able to change society, not reflect it. And as a result, I want you to understand, when Jesus, this is what Jesus had in mind when he made this statement. The church ecclesia literally means a group of influencers that was a Roman group that came together and they would get, come together when there was crisis in the city, in the community, and the church came together, the called out ones came together to make determinations, to, to find out how to, how to get through different crises and how to, how to uh, navigate through different storms that the community was facing. That's what, what the church was all about. When, so when Jesus says, I will build my church, he wasn't speaking of a religious organization. He was talking about a group of influencers that would come together and help change the course of a nation, of a city, and of a community. They were influencers. And I want you to, I, I want to know, I want to, I, I really wonder that when Jesus says, I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, that will Jesus even recognize the church when he comes back? Will it look anything like the church that he, he intended it to be when he comes back for our social club? When he comes back to our nightclub? Because all we do is come to hear music here. Are we really making a difference? Are we making an impact? Do we even believe the word of God anymore? And last week I shared with you that CWC is made up. If, if you want to be part of this church, there's three things you have to have been in order to be part of this church. And I shared with you out of, out of the story of Matthew, uh, Matthew the tax collector, that there's three things that we must have. That number one, we all have to have been sinners. Everyone that followed Jesus were sinners. 
Every single person he called to follow him were sinners. And so if you are a sinner this morning, you are in the right place. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right? So we've all come out of something. We've all come through something. And so if you're a sinner, you're in the right place. The second thing is that every one of those people that followed Jesus didn't believe in who he was. Every single one of them. At the end, even at, we're not talking about the multitudes. We're talking at the end when he dies on the cross, these guys followed him. And even after he raises from the dead, the Bible says that when the disciples came and saw him, that some of them didn't believe. They doubted. So if you've ever doubted the word of God, if you've ever doubted if Jesus is Lord, if you have any questions as to who God is, then you are in the right place. Say it again, Pastor. You are in the right place. Because it's through working out of our faith that our faith gets stronger. Doubts don't destroy faith. And faith is not blind. Faith is based on a knowledge. I have faith in my relationship with my wife because I know her. Faith is built on knowing something, not hoping something. And when you know God, you have the ability. I can trust God when we're in tough times because I know God. Come on, somebody. Third thing I want you to, amen, go ahead and clap. The third thing I want you to recognize is this, is that all those individuals responded to a personal invitation to relationship with Christ. That's what made them, that's what changed them, was an invitation for a relationship. And so that's what this is all about. That's what the church is all about. You are people that have responded to a relationship with God. You're not here because you love my preaching. You're not here just because you love the music. You're not here because you love getting up early on Sunday mornings. You're here because you have responded to a personal invitation that God Almighty gave to you by sending his son to the cross to breathe his laugh, to take the pain, to take the punishment so that you and I could now enter into a relationship with God. And so that's what we've all done, man. We're not perfect. We're, we're, we're people that are on a process of, of reaching God and, and recognizing that we're on that. So what did Jesus, and I should, that, that's, that's all introduction. What did, what, what, who are we? If you are going to be part of CWC, what are the things that need to be part of your life? How many of you were a sinner before? Raise your hand. If your hand's not up, you're lying. Okay. How many of you have ever doubted God? In any, any realm. Okay, cool. Then you're in, you're in the right place. How many of you are responding to an invitation to a relationship with God? Hey, you, then you're, Jacqueline, get your hand up right now. There you go. So we, we, we have to respond to that relationship. The invitation is out there. It's up to us to reciprocate and respond. Somebody say amen. amen. So after all of that, what did Jesus expect the church to do? He said, I'm going to build my church. He's going to build an order. What did he expect the church to do? I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew 22. I apologize. That was all introduction right there. So, which means I got to hurry up on the last part of this. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 36. And the question is posed to Jesus. He says, teacher, what is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Look at verse 37. Jesus responds. Now, if this was in the Bible, if we were reading this in the Bible, it would be in red letters. Why? 
because Jesus is talking, okay? It lets us know what Jesus is saying. So these aren't words of what, what, what Matthew thinks Jesus said. These are the words of Christ right here. And he says this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the... This is the... This is the and greatest commandment. So if we are developing a church and we are developing a, a, the called out ones, the ecclesia, we're calling out the influencers, what's the number one responsibility of this ecclesia, of these people that are called out? What's the number one thing that we are called to do? Love God. You have one job as part of CWC, learn to love God. And how do I know that I love God? It's not on how much I give. Now, giving is a reflection of my heart. And it's not even how much I come to church. It's, 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 it's all of, there's all these things are connected. But I want you to understand that loving God, when trying to find that measure, the first commandment, the great commandment, everyone say great commandment, is to love God. And we don't serve God out of obligation. And that's the problem. If you're having a hard time serving God, you got to go back to the foundation of when you were first introduced to him. Because fear may drive you to the cross, but only love will keep you there. You might have been afraid of hell. You may have come for puppet master and you were afraid about going to hell. And so you committed your life to God and you're so afraid about dying. And where am I going to go after I die? And that may have brought you to the cross. But fear may bring you to the cross. But fear is not strong enough to keep you there. It's only a love for God. Uh, you know, I, you, you're, some of you were in, in relationships because of fear. And you were afraid to leave that relationship because of fear. And so fear had you in that relationship, but you never had the ability to invest in that relationship because fear doesn't produce love. But when you love someone, you do it not because I have to, but because I want to. Imagine when you don't show up to church, when you don't give, when you're not involved in ministry, when you just come and you leave, and, and there's no involvement, when you, when you don't read your word, when you don't pray, when you don't worship, it just tells me this, you don't really love God or you don't know him enough to be able to enter into a place of love with him. So the problem isn't you don't know the song, you don't know the object of the song. We don't serve God out of obligation, we serve him out of love. See, I, I, I don't do things for my wife because I have to, I do them because I love her. And it's from that I, I don't got you know, even when T prayed this morning, she goes, we don't give because we want to. What? Of course we give because we want to. We give because it's, it's an expression of our love to God. It's a, it's a response to our love for God. And love, you, you cannot say you love someone until you know them. Love is based on choice. Listen, I've always said love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment that sometimes produces a feeling. Love is not a feeling. There, there are times, those of you that are married in this place, there are times you do not feel in love, nor do you feel married. Come on, right? 
There are times it's, it's, it's till death do us part or till I kill you. Because you don't always feel in love. But when I look down at my ring, the ring that I have on my finger reminds me of the commitment I made to her 26 years ago that I am committed to you. And I made a commitment commitment to you, not because I had to, but based from love. And so this reminds me like a string on my finger that every day when I wake up, whether I feel in love or not, that I've made a commitment to stand next to this woman, to love this woman, to be her husband, to be faithful to her, no matter or what and it's the same way I remember my commitment to God in October 16 1983 where I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior and God transformed my life on a Sunday night I remember that so the times I don't feel saved the times I don't want to serve God the times I don't feel like praying the times I don't feel like reading the word I know by faith that I've made a choice to love him to serve him even when I don't feel like it Love is based on knowledge. So if you love him, you will automatically... Listen, if you, and as I read these off, I want you to check your spirit as I read these off. Because if, if there's something wrong when I read these off, then that means you have a heart problem. There, there's a love problem. You might have lust for God, but maybe not a love. You're, you're dating God while still... You got an open relationship with God. I got other gods that I hang out with. But if you love him, you'll automatically serve him. You'll automatically fear him. You'll, and that's respect. You'll automatically follow him. You'll automatically obey him. You'll automatically give to him. You'll automatically, when we walk into this place, worship him. When you, when you'll automatically do what he says. Because the Bible says, if you love me, listen to me. These aren't Pastor Dan's words. He said, if you love me. How do you measure love? It's so hard to measure. Well, how much do you love me? How much do you really love me? In a relationship, can, can you tell me how much Aki really loves you? How do we measure that? How do we determine that? But it's, just, it, it, it's hard to really determine husband and wife to determine how much another individual has love or they're invested in that relationship. But Jesus has laid down an idea that says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You'll do what I ask you to do. In other words, my word, my Bible is not a book of suggestions. My my word is a, is a guideline. It's a standard. It's a way of living. This is how it's done. And if you love me, you won't let your opinion take precedence over my word. That's love. That's love. I don't know about you, but I want to love God so much more. I, I know I lack. Pastor, what are you talking about? Come on, uh. I'm a human. I go through the same emotions that you go through. I want to love God so much more, so much deeper. I want to know him so, to where, I, like, like John was able to say, I, to hear his heartbeat. I want you to understand. Let's look at the, the next. Then he says in verse 39... A second and equally important, love your neighbor, everyone say neighbor, as yourself. Wow. Now, I'm okay with loving my wife, but you want me to love my neighbor. 
okay with loving my husband and my kids, but you want me to love my neighbor. You're talking about people I don't even know, people I don't have a relationship with. Love your neighbor as yourself, and the entire law and all these demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The great commandment is love God, love I don't know if you know where we're going with this. Love God. Love people. The, the problem is, is that many of us have a hard time loving others because you don't love yourself. Because there's standards that we can't even operate or hit. And we're so frustrated that we fall short that we find ourselves so depressed and so struggling in our relationship with God, how do I love a God that I can't even measure up to? I'm always striving, but I keep falling short, and I always feel like I'm on this performance base. But you need to know that God loves you when you're good, and he, he loves you when you're bad. He doesn't change his level of love for you. God is love, and that he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you enough not allow you to stay that way either. So I want you to understand, he says to love people because we have to, love has to be demonstrated. Love has to be shown. You cannot say that you love someone. And what am I talking about? Jesus' whole life was marked and characterized by love. He loved the lepers. He loved the blind. He loved the lame. He loved the woman with the issue of blood. He loved the children. He loved the hungry. He loved the Gentile woman. He loved the sinners. He took time with the adulterer and protected her. He called the tax collector. He loved the woman at the well. And he took time to also love the Roman centurion soldier. And that very one that later on might have stood at the foot of Jesus' cross and been part of the contingency that nailed him to that cross was the very one that Jesus ministered to earlier. Love. His whole ministry was marked by love. What am I talking about is that his love for them caused them to heal, to touch, and to bless them all. Now I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me, amen? I'm not going to be much longer. Uh, I, I know that time is running out, but I want you to understand this. Number one, that love is. What is love? First, first of all, you've got to understand love is demonstrated. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated his love towards us and died for us. He died even when we didn't have a clue who he was. Love has to be demonstrated. Don't tell me you love me, but don't show me. You cannot say you love me and not demonstrate it. So love has to be demonstrated. Don't tell me you love God, but then don't obey his word. Love has to be demonstrated. Secondly, love is corrected, correction. And this, this is where one of the problems that we have in society today is that if you stand up and you correct any group of people in any secular, in any secular environment, the first thing they bring up is you're supposed to love. But you got to understand that love is correction. There is not a parent on earth that loves their child that will not stop a child that's about to step off a cliff, touch a hot stove, to run out into the street and yell at them and tell them, don't do that. Why? Because you love them and you are trying to protect them. Oh, somebody got to hear me this morning. 
We have such a warped view of what love is. You want me to love you but never tell you anything. You want me to love you but be okay with everything that you're doing. You want me to love you but never give you direction. That's not love. The Bible says an open rebuke is better than a secret love. So love, if we love someone, we're going to correct them. After he catches the woman and caught in adultery, he protects her. Then he says, now, sweetheart, go and sin no more. Correction, I love you, but now change your life. Love is all about a standard. There's a standard of love. If you love me, obey my commandments. There's not anyone in here that would say right now that you're going to give, you're, you're going to, well, I want to marry you, but you know what, listen, you know, me, me and Javier, we have something going, and we, I just want to know that I'll give you Monday through Saturday, but Sundays, can I, can I just hang out with Javier? There, there's, there's not, there, there is not a, there, there's not a woman, there's not a man that would say, yeah, you know, go, go ahead, as long as I get six days out of the week, I'm good. I'll marry you as long as I get those six days. Because love has a standard. Come on, somebody. Let's be real. Love has a standard. There's a standard. If you if you want, if you're going to receive my love, there's a standard that goes with it. Love is about commitment. Love with Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you love me and I love you, I will never leave you. I got your back. No matter where you go, I'm going to be with you. Come high hell or high water. I got your back. I'm with you. Love is about commitment. Love is about covering. Now, there's times that we mess up and we blow it. But love covers a multitude of sin. You can't be married and not have covering. You can't have a relationship and not have love cover you because love covers offenses and you have to be able to forgive. And forgiveness has the ability to cover. There's none of us that would still be married if it wasn't for something called love covering because love has the ability to cover and restore and forgive. Love is about caring. Jesus said that when you do these to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Are you still with me this morning? As I close, I want you to take a look at this. John, if you could help me, or Vivi. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Now, th- this is where we're going to get a little personal here, okay? So I, hear this in the, I hear this in social media all the time. I hear it with people in church all the time. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Hey, the Bible says don't judge. Who are you to judge? Let's get to word. Because those people that say don't judge me never picked up their Bible. I've never seen one time in the Bible that Jesus judged the world. But he judged the heck out of religious people. First Corinthians 5, Paul's speaking, okay? The, the guy that was planning churches like crazy. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. Pastor, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? Listen, it's not my responsibility to judge what they're doing. I'm not their pastor. Paul's saying it's not my responsi- dip, responsibility to judge outsiders. Listen. But it's certainly your your responsibility to judge those inside. Somebody say inside. Inside. 
If you're outside the doors of this church, you are. If you come in the doors, you are. Now, we're not talking about a church. We're talking about a relationship. When you say that I am in Christ, I have a relationship with Christ. But when you step out of that relationship or in, out, in, Paul is saying this. It's certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are... Ooh. Come on. Now, what's a trip is people get mad. You know, if you got oranges on you and I call you an orange tree, don't get mad at me. I'm just calling you based on the fruit you're producing. Don't get, don't start, well, how, who are you to judge and say that I'm an orange tree? Well, you got these leaves and these big old orange things growing out of you. They're hanging all over the place, smells citrusy. Now, if they were yellow, I'd call you a lemon tree. If they stayed green, I'd call you a lime tree. But they're orange. I think you're an orange tree. Not judging you, I'm just using my cognitive abilities to put two and two together and say, based on what you're producing right here, this is what you are. Paul's saying that those that are in the church, somebody say in, that we have a responsibility to call those out that are sinning. We have a responsibility to deal with those that say, I'm in Christ, but they're not obeying the word. Uh-oh, it's getting personal now. Watch me now. Verse 13, and God will judge those on the outside. God will take care of them. But as scripture said, you must remove evil persons from among you. In fact, if you take a look at the scriptures later on, who's Paul talking about? Look at this in verse 9. He says, when I wrote you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge with sexual sin. Now, I need to, I need to, I need to preface this. I, I put this sermon together two weeks ago. This wasn't put together in light of the Supreme Court ruling just recently. Two weeks ago, I prepared this message before Father's Day because we were going on vacation. And so I prepared this message then. Now, I want you to recognize, don't associate with those that indulge in sexual sin. Follow me. Verse 10. But I wasn't talking about... I wasn't talking about... I wasn't talking about unbelievers... Who indulge in sexual sin. Now, now he combines this with a few other things. So you're like, well, whew, I'm not involved with sexual sin, Pastor. I'm good. Well, hold on. I got you covered. <laughs> Are you greedy? Do you cheat people? Do you worship idols? Now, anything that comes between you and God is an idol. You would have to leave the world to avoid people like that. Paul, Paul understands. You think things are bad now? Oh, things are getting bad. Things were bad then. 
You think, think oh, the world, Jesus is coming soon. The hell is going to hell. I, I believe that the greatest revival is right around the corner. The greatest awakening is right around the corner. Everyone's saying how bad things are going to get. And it's just a sign that God's glory is about to break out. That there's a revival about to hit. That there's a people about to raise up that say, I want God. I love God. I want to love God. I want to know God. There's a group of people that is beginning to stir up. That want more of God. That seek more of God. That are happy with their relationship with God. They want to go deeper. They want to go stronger. And it's with those people that God will start and begin to start a movement. Let me finish the scripture here. You can stay standing. Stay standing with me as you. I meant that you are not to associate. And Paul's clarifying. He goes, because he knows that there's religious nuts out there. That are going to say, oh, I can't hang out with you. You're doing this. He says, man, if you, if you try to do that, you, in the world, you're going to be around these people. You're going to work with them. You're going to deal with them. You're going to shop with them. You're, they're going to serve you at, your, at, your di- at dinner and things like that, at the restaurant. You, you have to leave the world to get away from them. What he's talking about is the church. Look at verse 11. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. And yet indulges in sexual sin is greedy, worships idols, is abusive. But pastor, I only get mad once in a while. I love Pastor Mike always used to say this. I only get mad once in a while. Yeah, but so does a shotgun. And look at the damage it does. Is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Paul says, listen, with those people that claim to be believers... Don't even associate with them. Don't even have a meal with them. Don't even sit down at Mark's hot dogs with these folks. Stay away from them. To the world, we are to love people. We got to love people. In light of the Supreme Court's ruling... Pastor, what do we got to do? We got to love at a new measure. We got to express the love of God in a new measure. Why? Because this is, this, I, want, I want to close it out with this because the great commandment always comes with the great commission. And the great commission in Matthew chapter 28, I don't have time to read it all, but it's there on the screen, tells us to go in all, into all the world and make disciples. Not to get them to say a prayer, to make disciples. Discipleship is to teach, to instruct, to impart. And we haven't done a great job of imparting and instructing to get people to to become disciples. We've got people to become attenders. But it's not enough to be an attender of a church. We want you to be discipled. And that's why we are revamping our whole discipleship, our whole membership classes right now so that we can get you to commit to our mission and then get you involved in discipleship so you can get involved to lay a foundation for your life. It's not about saying a prayer and escaping hell. It's about discipling the world, nations, Not disciples of in all nations, disciples of all nations. And you're saying, well, pastor, how do we do that? Well, how has the LBGT community accomplished that? Only 4 to 6% of Americans are are, are, uh, professing homosexuals. Yet, 
in less than a decade, or not, not a decade, but in less than my lifetime, they've been able to disciple the nation to accept their agenda. Four to six percent. Four to six percent. Are you catching this? And yet I just read to you that over 62% of Americans believe are acting members of a church. If 6% can disciple a nation, why can't 62% do the same? Oh, come on. Are you catching me? All it takes is a belief. But where does it start? Love God. Love God. Because if I don't love God, I'm not going to be able to love people. And whatever change I try to bring is I'm going to mess people up with whatever whacked out religious ideas that I have. I got to love God. I got to love God. I got to love God. And when I love God, I'll learn to love people. Because when I've been loved, I'll be able to love. And because I've received forgiveness, I can give forgiveness. And as a result, I can be able to now touch people to bring about a transformation in the world we live. Let me tell you, nothing's changed for CWC. We will always love God love people and change the world that's who we are it's what we do that's what God's called us to do if you are CWC we are about love God love people change the world loving God is about knowing his word, obeying his word, not my opinion. And the problem that we have is that many of us are creating opinions because we know people that have been touched by these issues and they're good people. And we've changed our view biblically because how can these good people be bad? You can't change the word. But we gotta love God. We gotta love people, not tolerate them. Love them. Do you hear me? Not tolerate, love them. The hate messages on social media, that needs to stop. That's not who we are. It's not who we are. We have a great opportunity to love people in this moment, the way Jesus did. And maybe through our love, they can come to know him as well. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.